0: Good morning, everybody. Today, Baruch Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Nun Vav in Maseches Nedarim. Andrew wanted me to review. Hi, Andrew. Freilich in Chanukah. Hi, Barry. Good morning. Uh, hi, everyone else. There, uh, he wanted me to review because yesterday was Nun Hey, and we were talking about uh, there was a nice drasha here, Rav Yosef and Rava. Rav, uh, Rava was asking for mechila from Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef was blind at the time already. And so he had poured. Rava asked to pour him wine as a to show respect. Rabbi Yosef recognized that it must have been Rava from the ratio of the mixture of the water and the wine. And then Rava said, and then and then Rabbi Yosef asked, uh, told me, told me, explain to me this. What does it mean when the Torah says Matan Bamos? He says the the pasuk right in Bamidbar, and then we said, Am right, I talking about the Masos over there? And uh, Rava explained to Rav Yosef, when a person makes himself like a midbar, in the sense that watch he's open to everyone. He's open to learn from everyone. He's open to teach everyone. Torah matana. Torah is given to him as a gift. So, uh, so we we make ourselves open to everyone. And Barry himself gives sheer in this in this shul. Is willing to sit here and accept Torah from anyone, obviously, because he's sitting and, and listening to our Dafyomi. And so all of you in Barcelona, and in Brussels, and in Dublin, and, and, and everywhere, and, and, our, and our crew in Columbus, Ohio, whoever you are, reach out to us. And uh, we, may we all be Zochet to receive the beautiful matana that is the Torah, especially as we, uh, as, as we go through the days of Chanukah. May our days be filled with light and joy and health and happiness always. Okay, let's start at the top of the The Mishnah. Okay, so we've discussed this. There was a time, Barry and Andrew have already patched up their differences, but there was a time when Andrew said, you made uh, another, uh, that he's never gonna go into Barry's house. Barry had a house in Harrisburg with multi-level house. Now the question is, right, it was, um, how many levels was the house? About four, right? So it had a downstairs and an upstairs. So the question is, when Andrew says, "I'm not going to go into Barry's house," does that mean that he's not allowed to go into the main level of the house, or what about the aliyah? Now, of course, this is going to be culturally dependent, as we've said all throughout. This is uh, we're always trying to evaluate based on the context. What does the person mean when they're making these declarations? That, that's always the game, the name of the game with these in the darim. So obviously, I think if Barry said, I can't enter, if Andrew had said, I'm making another, I can't enter Barry's house, he would say he can't go into any part of the house. But in those days, functionally, Andrew was in Israel, but he didn't visit Katsrin this time, but he's been there before, right? The bait and the aliyah, we'll call it the attic, right, had different functions. And so when, when one said, I can't go into his house, maybe he would be able to go into the attic, right? Through the outside, through a separate entrance, okay? So, Rabbi Meir, Diva Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir says, If and Andrew says he can't go into Barry's house, he could still go into the upper story, and Rabbi Meir says that that's, that's the halacha, and of, and of course, it's based on, on the fact, as we'll see, that the house does not necessarily include the aliyah, we'll, we'll call the attic, okay, the, from the word upper. That, no, that the attic is considered part of the house, but conversely, if I know in Aliyah, muter But everybody would agree, it seems, that if you say no, I'm not going to go into his right attic, then you still could go into the house, right? Again, I think it assumes that to a separate entrance. You'd have to see in Katsurin how these houses were. Uh, were organized, but you could reach the aliyah separately. So if you say, I just can't, I won't, I'll never go into his attic. It's spooky up there. So then it's clear that you mean specifically the attic. The only question is, when you say house, does it also mean the attic as well? So Rabbi Meir says it does. And Chachamim says, uh, Rabbi Meir rather says, Mutter Balia, that when you say house, it does not mean the attic. And the Chachamim say, house includes attic. Aliyah Bechalabayt. So now the Gemara asks, Montana. Well, who do you think the following brisa is? Who's the author of the following Brysa? Is it Remea or the Chachamim? Let's see the Brysa. It says, Beves, Larabos es Hayatzia. Beves, Larabos es Ha'alia. What's the Beves? Uh, that's actually a little bit of Machlokas. The Ran says, I mean, everybody will say that this has to do with Taras. The pasuk says in Vayikra, "Yedal la'medal, kisavo el arz, el arz knan, nino send When you get into Eretz Kanan, negat This is talking about we know the people can get zaras, clothing clothing gets zaras, and also the house can get tsaras. If you speak a lot of if if one speaks a lot of lashon har in their house, the house is going to get the tsaras, Okay. It's a fascinating concept. So I'm gonna give Tsaras Eretz achuz So the reason there's a machlokas here is how many times does it say bevase? There's two rebuyim here. Which pasuk is it exactly? Okay. Be that as it may, it has to do in the context of tsaras. And the Braissa says that it that that one of the things that it is trying to include when it says bives, right? Tseras Eretz achuz haschem, is to is to include the aliyah. Well, there you go. If beves includes the aliyah, so isn't that like the chachamim? So no, it's the opposite because I'm a revchista, revmeir. No, this has to do with revmeir. Why? Because according to the chachamim, you don't need the pasuk beves to teach you that it includes the aliyah, right? According to the chachamim, right? anytime you say Bay, by definition, we know that this has to do with sras the bayis. So by definition anytime you say bayit, it would include the Aliyah. So the fact that you need this limud of Beves, or Aliyah, Rabbi as <laughs> Ravchist articulates, the I rabanan Ha'amri Aliyah, Bechala Bais, Lama Beves, Right? Because if it was, in fact, the Sheet of the Rabbanan, so they don't need a rebuy from the word Beves. They don't need to learn it out of the Pasuk. They already know it, right, automatically, by, because of the fact that bite always includes Aliyah, according to the Chachamim. However, that price is not necessarily according to the Chachamim, according to Abaye, because Abaye is going to say, Abaye says to Ravchista, no, Afilu Tamar You could even say that we have the three of Beves, and that, that price could even be according to the Rabbanon, because by Akra, we still need the Pasuk. Why? Beves Eretz Achuzas Yeah, because you might have thought that because the Pasuk doesn't just say Beves, it says Beves Eretz Achuz Chem. you might have thought, that anything that only that which is connected to the ground would be considered the bayit, which is to say only the main floor, top floor, not so, right? Aliyah The aliyah, which is the top floor, is not mechobar be'ara So therefore, in other words, once you've established that in the Pasuk, that a bayit is only that which is connected to the ground, so then even according to their bottom, who typically would say that a bayit always includes an aliyah, would say that with respect to saras maybe you would say that only the ma- grain, the main floor is um, included in the word bayit because it's only the main floor that's connected to the ground and that's alluded to in Beves Eretz chuzas and therefore when the brisa teaches you that that saras would also include the uh the attic it has to teach you that because of the way the the pasuk is structured and therefore we do not know whether that brisa is authored by the rabbon or the mayor but that as it may uh our mishnah still Right? We're still, we're still holding with these two different approaches. Does the Attic include, uh, is it included in the house like the Chachamim say, or is it not like a Meir? So now 11 lines down, the Gemara is gonna ask again. Our Mishnah, Rev versus Chachamim. How, is, how, how would it accord with the following idea? As follows. G'mon, Azla, Hadam, Ravuna, Bachia, De'ula. Ravuna, said something in the name of Ula, let's see. Is it according to Rambaran or according to Rameir? Let's see. What's the case? The following case. Andrew sells Barry his house. But he's not selling him the whole house. He's selling him a house within his house. He's trying to sell out a portion of his house. My my dear friend Simeon Siegel, I'm going to give a shout out now, uh, Shlita, my uh, my friend says fourth grade, he was... um, uh, renting in Manhattan. Rental in Manhattan is very expensive. I remember he was an architectural student, went to Harvard Architecture School. Oh, the guy's a brilliant guy. Anyway, he's very talented, but uh, he was just starting out, didn't have a lot of money. He rented for like, I think, uh, $500 a month. He was, he had a closet. He, his bed was in a closet in someone's apartment in Manhattan. And not only was it a closet in someone's apartment, the guy was still using his closet. It was like a mattress on top of the loft of the closet. The guy was using the bottom part of the closet. He just rented out the top part of the closet. Anyway, so you're buying a portion within the house. So, Mar Ewalia. So, this is a fascinating thing. Can Andrew later, right, insist? He says, Barry, I'm going to sell you some portion. I'll sell you a portion of the house within my house. Can he take him to the Aliyah, the Aliyah was always considered inferior. Like we'll call it the attic, right? The attic is not the best part of the house. It doesn't have the best insulation. It's not it's not really the best uh, uh the best room in the house at all. And so does Andrew have that right? Well, uh it would seem that he should have that right, Maria. Aaliyah. In other words, Andrew didn't promise him anything. He just said, "I'm selling you a house in my house." Well, so there is there is some there there there's some halachic underpinnings here, some lambdas here. And In other words, there is a little bit of hamotzi mechaveru alav haraya here, which is to say, it's not a hundred percent clear. We don't force Andrew, so to speak, to say that when you said house within a house, you couldn't have meant the attic because that's a rotten room. That's not a good room, because after all, we don't know for sure. It's ambiguous what Andrew meant. And Andrew is not obligated to give of any other portion of his house, any specific portion. Unless you say that, that when he says buy, it can't mean aliyah. Oh. So watch this. So, so far again, the halacha is that Andrew can say to Barry, I'm selling you a house within my house. And mind you, he's using the, the word house. And it turns out that he means the attic. So, time adam are buy shibbeh ani mocha lecha. The, so we say that's because it says aval bite, stam eno aliyah. Aha. So it sounds like if he just said bayit, it doesn't mean aliyah. <coughs> says the Gemara leimah Rabbi he. Right. So that's so it's an interesting halacha, right? In other words, Barry, if if the Rabbi don't forget, mean says that the bayit and the attic are really two qualitatively different things. So according to Rabbi Meir. Right, If Andrew had just said, "I'm selling you a bite or a portion inside my bite," so then the bite and the leah are two qualitatively different things and and according to Mary, it, it would not be fair for and for you remember you the sale went through, and then Barry shows up, and Andrew's like, "Yeah, here's the part I sold you. Go to the attic, according to Mary, that's not fair because the bite and the attic are two qualitatively different things. And if you said, bite me bite, maybe then you could say. Um, he must have meant any portion. But if he just said bite, he couldn't have meant the aliyah. So the Gemara says, well, you can't really prove anything from that halacha because of my aliyah That halacha actually might have been talking about a totally different thing. And when it said aliyah, maybe it didn't even mean attic. And maybe it just meant uh, a different halacha altogether. What's the different halacha The best part of the house. Now, the Farshim say, that maybe Andrew has to show the nicest part of the house. Has to, when, when he said the bite, the he would have to give it the, the, the nicest part of the house. It seems to contradict, according to the art scroll, what's going on in Menachos. What's going on in Menachos makes more sense to me. Which is to say, why would Andrew, who sold Barry apart, I mean, it would be very nice of Andrew when he, sell, when he says, I'm, I'll sell you something within my house. It would be very nice of Andrew to give you the best part of his house, but why would he be obligated to do so? That doesn't make sense to me. It would make more sense to me if he said, okay, I mean, that you have, Andrew has a right, to give you anything from the best to the worst, right? He didn't tell you which part he's going to give you. And uh, it would be nice if he gave you a a better part. But be that as it may, whether the halacha is that Andrew has to give the best part or he should, or he doesn't have to give you the best part as it seems to say in Menachos, whichever the halacha is, the point in the Gemara over here is that even according to the Rabbanan, that particular b'risa may not be talking about the attic at all and therefore is not relevant to our mission at all. It's just talking about what part of the house Andrew has to show when he is, in fact, selling his house to Barry. Okay, so that's that Mishnah. Now, next Mishnah in the middle of Nunvavimudalv, ha Okay, Andrew, as we, we know, is a vampire, right? Has, you, has anyone ever seen Andrew sleep? I have not. Has anyone ever come here and, not, and Andrew's not been here? I've not, uh, when he's around, he's always here. So Andrew, sleeping is not one of the things that he does. And maybe he made a netter from ever using a bed. That would make sense. So ha Minhamita person makes a nether never to use a bed. Muter bedargash. He's allowed to use a dargash. Okay, we're going to talk about what that means. We don't really know what it means. That's going to be the topic of the Gemara. Divir Rebbe Meir. Apparently Rebbe says that a bed and a dargash are two different things, and therefore if Andrew swore off a bed, he could still sleep in a dargash. Bechamim, dargash Chachamim say no. Right, similar to the uh, pattern to the machlokas to the before. Chachamim say dargash. They apparently hold that these uh, nedarim are more inclusive, and therefore when he says... Mita, he means a bed or even a dargash, all those things he can't sleep in. However, similar again to the structure of the previous Mishnah, the Mishnah continues to say that another mina dargash, if you know they're from the Dargash, which is like a unique type of cot, as we'll see, then so you could still sleep in a bed. Because obviously when you're saying dargash, you're going out of your way saying I won't sleep in a cot, right? So it's always whichever is the least inclusive. If you're saying that less inclusive thing, then obviously you're specifically saying that thing. That's what we assume. And therefore, the more inclusive thing, you could still sleep in. So that, Rebbe and Khan would agree. But the question is, does the more inclusive thing include this unique Dargash thing? To which the Gemara asks, My Dargash, what is that thing? So I'm de Gada. This is a fascinating thing. It's a good luck bed. Good luck bed. So, I listened to Rabari Lee, It's the great Dafyomi Master Shlita, and he said, Isn't this like a type of Nichush? And are we like, are we, uh, pagans? Like, what are we, weirdos that have red strings and skulos? This doesn't make any sense. That's not Judaism. What's the, what's this good luck bed? So, Amrulay Rabban, so, so he said there's two approaches in the, uh, in the Mefarshim and the One approach would be, yeah, it's a good luck bed. There's malachim, and we're, uh, okay. He said that there's a controversy. and Some shuls said Ariely, would say, don't say machnisei rachamim. Machnisei rachamim is its fila that some say during, during Slichos. They don't like that because why are we diving to angels? The whole, it's a touchy subject. Ever since the golden calf, it's been a touchy subject, whether we, we are, uh, pro or anti, um, tangible emissaries to Hashem. We probably should just go direct to Hashem. Isn't that what makes us monotheists, Andrew? Yeah. But anyways, be that as it may, the other approach is, it's a good luck bed, and this is a nice one, I think you'll like this with Barry, because this is how it was in Harrisburg. You would always have an extra bed, right? We used to have this kid, Morty Weinberg, uh, who, who always used to come up, show up at Shabbos unannounced. So the idea is, if you always have one more bed, then the amount of guests that you have, then that's a sign of what? Abundance as opposed, to, as opposed to scarcity. Now that we can get behind, right? The idea of having extra beds so you could always be hospitable even in a moment's notice to guests. That I like. Okay, so. Arsadagad. Be that as it may, that's what Ula says. So wait a minute. I'm going to lay a Ulah, so. First of all, why when you, so what? When you say I'm never going to sleep in the bed, you're not going to sleep in the extra bed? Let's see. First of all, the Mishnah, Okay, that is in Sanhedrin says the following. Kshein Mavrin also. This is talking about kings, right? So in the Sanhedrin, when they have the Jewish king and they feed him the Sudas Havra. That's what Mavrin means. The Sudas Havra is the Suda that you have right right after the burial. What happens if the king is in a So they give him the Sudas Havra. Okay? And uh it and, v'kola am, arts, v'hu mesavala dargash. Everyone else is gonna sit on the ground, who's gonna sit on the dargash? Kula shatala yosivala. Now, wait a minute. If the dargash is the good, the good luck bed, then what? He never sits on the bed. Good luck bed means it's, the reason why it's mutter is because nobody ever sleeps in it, right? It's just there for good luck, according to this, uh, explanation. So, wait a minute. If you never sleep in it, so, who uh, yoma So now, dafka, on the day that he buried whatever relative he buried and he's an Avelis and having a suit of then he's going to sit on the good luck better on today of all days? Says the gemara. yeah. Matkif la Ravina. Ravina says, Midi da hava a basa v'yayin dekhu le ibai achil. Ibai lo achil. Ahoyama ananya avinan In other words, why is that difficult? After all, typically, right, the entire year, if he wants, basa right, if he wants, he can't have. If he doesn't want, he doesn't have. And on this day, Dafka, we Dafka bring him meat and wine and he doesn't have a choice. What Ravina is saying is that the fact that today of all days, the king is sitting on his good luck bed is not necessarily an indication that the bed is one thing or another. In other words, the question that was posed was, right, Wait a minute. If the if the, right, the uh, Dargash is a good luck bed, so then why is the king sitting on it on this day of all days? And the answer is, well, he's doing a lot of things that are different today of all days. It's a suus He's a mourner. So there are a lot of things that are going on that are atypical. So why would it be weird for him to sit on a bed that is atypical for him to sit on? It could still be the good luck bed. This is not a threat to our pshat that it's the good luck bed at all. Because after all, he's doing an unusual thing. Now, of course, if you're a Bari Libra, it's a great Afyomi master, you have to hone in on this halacha of Basaviyain for an Avel. So that in fact that 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 actually carries through the halacha. Basaviyyayin to an Avel is something that we that we do, okay, in the Suda Savrah, And 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 goes back a long way. And that is in direct contrast with what we do in the three weeks and then the nine days, right? Because as Rabbi Leibowitz points out, all of the halachas of the nine days are very parallel, very parallel. In fact, indistinguishable from the halachas of, right, the Avelos, with the very obvious exception of meat and wine, which is usur in the nine days, as you might recall, but very much not usher for the Suda Savar, for the Avelim. And the question is, why not? And so the Balabatish answer, which is what you can, which is what you're here for, is the um, is the idea that in the Avelim, the reason why is the pasuk, right? The pasuk says in Mishle that you're supposed to give wine, right, to those who are depressed. Well, guess what? The Avelim are depressed, and the purpose of the Baser Yain is to, I wouldn't say cheer them up, but to and console them in some way. To console their embittered souls. Okay, well, the, if it's a consolation, so then that's one thing. But that's not what we're going for in the nine days, right? In the nine days, we're trying to get into the Avelus mode. We're not looking, per se, to be consoled. However, we should be so upset that we would have to be consoled. So it, it also accounts for the fact that in Avelus, right, it starts intense, in real Avelus, Rahman al-Hitzlan, starts intense, and then starts to kind of, you know, fade fade out from... Shiva to Shloshim to Yud Beis Chodesh, let's say. Whereas when you're talking about the Avelis for the base of Mikdash, it ramps up, right, from three weeks to the nine days, etc. So the ramping up shows that we're trying to get ourselves into an Avelis mode and therefore certainly the of Yain would be counter to mm-hmm. that effort as opposed to when you're in what we would call Avelis for a relative, so then we're trying to sort of comfort ourselves out of avelis mode. Anyway, even though the Nihugi, many of them are the same, the basur is is in contrast. Be that as it may, and and that's what the Gemara is saying. The Gemara is saying he has to have basur That's like a mitzvah, uh, so to speak, of avelis that he has to do. And therefore, that is unique, and so too sitting on that bed is unique. Okay, so now another. So this is all again. Ula is the one that says that the dargash is the good luck bed. So let's see another question on it. El so ha the de tanya a bryce. The bryce says dargash lo Kofeu, that an avel doesn't overturn the dargash el zokfo, but he stands it upright. So we say v'yamred arsa de godahu, and if it's a good luck bed v'hatanya we said in another bryce ha kofes mitasa lo mitasa bilvadu kofe el kol mitasa sheish lo b'tachabai is a kofe. Right. So the Bryce says this idea of turning all the beds. We don't necessarily do this. Rabbi Woods says that this is maybe the fact that we cover mirrors, maybe is a remnant of this halacha. Be that as it may. This. So if we do all the beds, right. So then why are we not doing the dargash? In other words, if the dargash is in fact a bed, right. So then, uh, so then why are we also turning that one over? Okay. Uh, uh, rather, we're standing it up. So says the Gemara Halakasha, right? As we turn to Nevovim Veiz, because the halacha of the dargash is similar to the halacha of the bed that just kind of holds utensils. Uh, my son Zalmi has such a bed in his room. There's an extra bed in his room. I think it's the dargash. And that's where he keeps half his stuff. So then he has to do a huge cleanup job. Uh, whenever a guest comes. Anyway, In other words, it's not really for sleeping. It's the good luck bed. Zalmi has one, like I said, in his room. And therefore, that bed is not really a bed that people sleep in. And therefore, it doesn't contradict. In other words, it's a good luck bed that people don't usually sleep in. And it's only the ones that people sleep in that you have to turn over. So therefore, whether this Dargash was used for Kalim or not is not the point. The point is, if it's not used for sleeping, so then... It, there is no obligation in Avelas to turn it over, and therefore the fact that we don't turn it over is, again, not a contradiction to Ula. So then we've had a second challenge of Ula's uh, analysis that it's a good luck bed, and we've survived it. It's not necessarily a knockout blow to Ula's shot. Now we're going to try a third one. Here we go. Here's a kasha in Ula's definition of good luck bed to Tanya. The Bryce says, all right, for this, we're going to have to go into some uh, mattress design, Barry. So, it says that there is a brisa. Rav Shimon Gamliel says that you have to untie the loops of a of a dargash when one is an Avail. For who no fail may And then, something falls of itself. Okay, something's going to fall apart right away when you untie the loops. So Something is fastened with loops. Let's see. First of all, v'i dargash arsa de godahu if it's just a good luck bed not meant for sleeping mi isle, where where's the loops right ordinary beds don't have loops so right in other words what we're trying to get in at here is that dargash is not just a regular bed that's been designated for something else it's a qualitatively different thing like the way i would like to say it is like a mita is a bed and a dargash is a cot right and again the whole point is when a person says i'm not going to sleep in a bed so we, we're saying there's a machlokas whether you could sleep in a dargash, but we don't know what a dargosh is. So if it's a good luck bed, it's a regular bed that's just used for a different purpose. If it's a cot, so then what we're saying is that any bed would be usr, according to everyone. It's just a question of like maybe a different constructed, a differently constructed thing would be mutter. Okay, so now we're getting into the bed construction here. So they had such. Discussions coming from Eretz Yisrael right at you right now. Also, Ravin Amar. We you know Ravin came from Eretz Yisrael too, Bavel, and he said sheilu And I once asked one of the rabbis in Israel, the Rav Tachlifa His name was Rav Tachlifa, the Israeli, right, the Westerner. Okay, so Rav Tachlifa, T'ch- Israeli, said the chaz the have a he was he was big with the leather. He knew a lot about leather. To and he, if and he said, My Dargosh Ah Dargash Bivaday, I know what Dargash is. Zah Al is a leather bed. Right? So to him it was obvious that Dargash was a leather bed. Okay. So let's see. Can we support this definition? As follows. Itmar, Ezu Mita Dargash. So let's see. What's a Mita versus Dargash Amr Birmiya? So you see, we're we're supporting this whole idea now. We're in the middle of discussing is a dargash a regular bed that's used for a different purpose? Doesn't sound like that from here. Here it sounds like they're constructed differently. A mita, uh, you attach ropes over it, and a dargash, we attach straps from within it, like a cot. Okay, so if you look at the Right, the art scroll you'll see the one that you see on um, the top image on the right column. Right, you're you're not you're you're kind of looping over the sides of the frame in a mita. That's a mita, what it shows. Right, okay, okay. So they're constructed differently. So mesvei. Wait a minute. Uh, Is it true that in a regular mita you're going to wrap the ropes around the frame? As shown on the top image in the art scroll in the right column, on the right uh, column over here. Mesveh. Mishnah and Kalim, as follows. Clay eights, mehemus, and and tumah. We learned so many Mishnahs and Kalim when we learned Mesechus Shabbos. Remember that? That was really fun. So, you might have, I think we probably already learned this one. That when do uh, wooden utensils become a kabal Tumah, right? Because wood itself would not necessarily become a tumma until it becomes a clay. So, at what point is it considered a Kli? Well, the bed and the crib become the Kabbal when they have that finish, final polish. How's the final polish done? Use some fish skin and you smooth it out, rub it up, and that's when it becomes the Kabbal That's like that final stage of preparation that makes it a uh, cleat, okay? And thus, the Kabbal Tumah. Okay. gaba dog. This is an interesting question. You look at that image again, you see the ropes are wrapped over the frame. So you say, wait a minute, if the ropes are are wrapped over the frame, then obviously we don't care about how good this bed looks and we would never care. In other words, right, you're taking a beautiful thing and you're wrapping ropes around it. That's counterintuitive. The only reason you would even polish this wooden thing is for it to look good, right? Well, these ropes around the wooden frame don't look good at all. So, why would you bother polishing it? Now, eh, maybe you do polish it, but you can't say that it's not a kli until it's polished, because obviously, right, we don't care how it looks, so therefore, you can't say that that's definitionally when it becomes a clea, if in fact it's constructed in such a way that the, that the ropes are around it. So now we're having, we're rethinking how these beds are constructed. We say no. Now you go to the, on the right column in the art score and you go to the bottom. And now we see the bottom two images, what we're saying is that, no, we have a nicer construction of the bed than you see in that top image. We don't just see ropes sticking out. We have beautiful bed frames, and the new kind is the bed is on the left, the is on the left, and then the dargash is on the right, right? So one is um, ropes, and one is leather, and that's the difference. But they both need to be polished based off of the Mishnah and Kalim. Both would need, both would need to be polished to become a kli because the polish actually matters because it has to look good enough for sale, so to speak, or for use and we don't use the ropes and therefore the ropes um, and, and therefore the ropes don't ruin the look and therefore we care about when it's polished as follows, says the yazni. The threaded in and out of the slits as you can see in, in the image on the, on the Left side, and dargash, the leather sheet is there, and it attaches out of the strap, right, with a leather uh, sheet out, out of the loops, and then it's also fastened that way to the sideboards. So that is the difference between a mita and a dargash. Be that as it may. Okay, so just in, as far as Overturning beds, he points out that a bed with double posts protruding, right, you, you could stand it upright on its end and that's enough. You don't have to turn it over because obviously you can't turn such a bed over. It's a, what's called, it's not a four-poster canopy bed, Andrew, it's a two-poster canopy bed, which means if you turned it over, it wouldn't, It would. the whole thing would fall apart, right? Cool. Uh, or at least like all the linens would come off. You can't just turn it over because you it, you would ruin one side of it because it, ha- it would only have legs on one end, anyway. Um, so, so that so there we are. That's the difference. That's between a dargash and a bed. And now, finally, uh, what's the halacha? Okay, Tanakam says the, uh, an avel doesn't need to overturn the dargash. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says that you untie the straps so that the leather surface falls to the ground. That's good enough. And the Gemara says, "I'm Rabbi Gamliel. So it sounds like the dargush is this leather cot bed and you untie the straps and that's good enough. Be that as it may, we've learned now that according to this, at least, the dargush is not like U- Ula says. It's not the good luck bed, but rather it is a leather bed or like a cot. So if someone swears off a bed, they could still sleep in a cot. Okay. Uh, right, that's right. Okay, so now the Mishnah. Somebody says, I'm not going to... I'm not going to go to. Um, what city do you want to not go to, Andrew? Uh, I don't know. Okay, Andrew doesn't want to say. I'll say Jackson. He I makes a, a. He vows he's never going to go to Jackson. Okay. Jackson. Yeah, okay, fine. Jackson, Mississippi. Toms River. Okay, another minute here. He says he's never going to go to to Jackson, Mississippi. We've learned this already in Shabbos and Ervin. There's two things there's the Tchum which is like the 2,000 Amos perimeter, and then the ibura. Remember that one? Like from like pregnant? The 70 and two-thirds Amos around, that's considered the ibura Shalir, uh, which had uh, right relevance for Halachos of tchum and, and the like, um, of Hotzah. But so when it comes to a city, so there's stages, right? There's the city lines, and then there's the ibura, that little 70 and two-thirds almost extension, and then there's the whole Tchum. So you're allowed to go until, uh, you, you can't you can't enter the ibur, but you can go into the Tchum. However, when it comes to the house, it's a little different. The house has the house proper. So what would you say about the door, door frame? So, when it comes to the door frame, you can, you can't, Enter from the door frame inward. Okay? You can't enter from the door frame and in. So, is Ebor. So, when it comes to an Ibor, you can't go in. When it comes to the door frame, it sounds like you could maybe go in. Let's see. Let's analyze this. Says the First of all, how do we know you can't go into an Ebor city and it's considered like the city itself? Okay. During Yeshua's conquering of Yericho, what happened? Well, my Be'ericho. First of all, we know what happened, right? They walked seven times around, right, on consecutive days. The walls of the city fell down, right? This was the siege on Be'ericho, Barry. So, you have to look at the Pasuk carefully, right? Vayibi biyos yeshu says the Pasuk. This is in Yeshua, hei yud Gimel. V'yesha e'ina ish omed lenegdo v'chay b'shilfa v'yado v'yelchi yeshu ala v'yom halanu ata im And then it says, in the next parak, Yericho, Sagaris, Msugaris, Ein Yotseva, Ein Ba. Okay. So the city of Yericho is under siege. No, And and also, nobody could come in and nobody could go out. Okay, so now, Yeshua is in Yericho, and the Pusik says, My be Yericho. So it sounds like Yeshua was in Yericho. There can't be. Elaim be Yericho, Mamish. If you can going to say Yeshua was in, the actual city, that can't be. As we just said, right, there was a siege and it was in lockdown. So he nobody's still coming in, nobody's going out. So in context, we know that he was not actually in the city. He was on the outside of the city, about to take it over from the outside. Right? So it says he's in Yericho, but clearly he's not in Yericho. So there must be a, a, a part of Yericho that's outside of the city walls, but it's still considered inside Yericho. Ah, so that must be the Ebor. Says the Gemara, wait a minute. Ema How do we know? We already said there's regions, right? There's the city itself, and then the Ebor, and then outside further beyond that is the Tchum. So, so so maybe we would say anything within the Tchum of Yericho would be considered inside Yericho. Why are we saying Dafka the Ebor? Well, the Gemara actually says, haksiv b'tchumah. Regarding the Tchum, it already said that Um michutz lair. You can, you have to measure, right? This is this is elsewhere. This is in Bamidbar. It says when it comes to the tchum, when it comes to how you write, measure the cities. It says When um, lair as peas al paim ba'ma nega When It talks about the two thousand amma, right? Tchum. It says umadosem michutz so that has to be from outside the city. So we see from that language in the Torah that describes what the tchum of the city is, that the tchum is considered outside of the city. So when we said that, that Yeshua was inside the city, but we know that really he was outside the walls, he could not have been within the tchum because that's considered outside the city. He could not have been inside the city because then, because the city was under siege and pra- practically we know that it was not historically correct. Therefore, it must be that the Ebor is like the city. And that's how our Mishnah learns of halacha. Oh, beautiful. Okay, so now Right, the two dots towards the bottom. So Mina Let's talk about a little bit of this door frame. Gemara says, wait a minute. Sounds like from the door frame and outwards, he can be uh, in there. So, right, what's the lachic status of the door frame when you made this vow not to go into the house? So Mari Yasgir. What's going on here? Again, the house has Saras. When the house has Saras, that has to be declared uh by the Kohen. So you bring the Kohen for a consultation. It says the the wall of the house has changed color. He checks the discoloration of the wall. You think like for sure it's it's Saras. What else could it be? It could be something else has to be the right size has to be the right color he's coming in for the consultation now and then it says if he in fact designates that this house has saras he has to leave the house and then close the house for a seven-day quarantine now wait a minute how is he closing the house can it be that he just ties a rope to like the door handle then leaves the house and pulls it from his so to speak from his own house next door and close it off that way no that can't be Right, this is what the Ron is explaining, that he's got a shaliach or he's got a rope. That you can't do. Why? Talmud Omar El Pesach That In that passage it says he has to be in the entrance of the house, meaning he has to close the house and he can't just do so remotely, as we say. He has to be at the entrance and, and, and he officiate the house closing, as it were. So ye El Pesach Abais, oh, uh, may my uh, mother-in-law's house that she's trying to sell close soon. Amen. Okay, even though it has no sarah, it looked like it had saras on it, when she, but, but she fixed it. Anyway. Wait a minute. So if it says that he's standing by the entrance, so you might have thought that he could actually literally stand under, right, the doorpost and close off the house by there. So it sounds like standing under the doorpost in such a situation is totally mutter. No. Talmud Lomar min Habais. He has to exit from the house. Which is to say he can't close off the house while he's standing under the doorpost. He has to be outside of the entirety of the house. How so? Omid fi Maybe that means that he has to stand right outside right, the doorpost and then close off the house from there. Okay. So then the Bryce says, of his gear. And wait a minute. How do we know that if he went to his house and closed it like remotely, for his how do we know that that is actually, that that works? That if, he, that if he stands under the doorpost or if he goes to his house that it works? Because the Torah says, it, it really at the end of the day, whether he does it 100% appropriately or not the best possible way, either way, once he closes that door, that quarantine is in effect. That seven day quarantine is in effect. Be that as it may, the challenge is, it sounds like under the mashkov is not is not good. He has to go out from the house completely, and therefore we have some contradicting evidence as to whether the um, the door under the doorpost is part of the house or not. But the Gemara is going to say that these two questions: our question of what we mean when we say nadarin, do we refer to the doorpost or not, and the issue of where the coin has to stand in the case of the, the declaration of Taras in the house, could in fact be two different halachos. Why? Because as, as, uh, as the Gemara says, right? When it comes to a house with taras, we say you have to get out of the house. In other words, the door frame may not really be a part of the house with respect to Nadarim, so when I say I'm not going to go into Andrew's house, I might not mean that I'm not going to stand in his doorway. I could stand in his doorway and annoy him all day long. But that's in the context of Nadarim. In the context of the tzaras, because the Torah says min it means, minabais kulo. that's a separate halacha that has to do with declaration and closing off of the quarantine of the tzaras, because the Pasuk specifically says there that even if you held that, whether you held that the, even if you held that the uh, doorpost is not part of the house, when it comes to tzaras, you have to clear away from the doorpost as well, because there's an extra right? Pasuk to teach you, go further from the house. Uh, and therefore, in that sense, those are two separate halachas. And so we'll resume B'zat Hashem tomorrow with the Mishnah on the top of Ninzain Zayin